0: Welcome to the DPM Podcast, where we go beyond theory to give tips and tricks that work for leading better digital projects. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Ben Aston, founder of the Digital Project Manager. So I wonder, are your projects on budget? And do you know if they're on budget? Are they profitable? Do you know how profitable they are? And are you sure that they're profitable? I wonder if it would make a difference to the way that you plan, prioritize, and execute your projects if you knew exactly where things were at. Well, keep listening to this podcast, sponsored by Productive, to understand how you can run a more profitable agency and keep your projects on budget. Today, I'm joined by Tom Carr. He's a 30-year-old entrepreneur, and the interesting thing about him is that he's never had a real job. He's the CEO at Infinum, an independent software design and development agency, and Productive, a tool for running a profitable agency. So hi, Tom. Hi there. So let's start with this curious fact about never having a proper job. Um, how, is, how is it that you've gone through this, this, that much life without having worked properly or at least had a proper job?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a joke. That's how I say it, that I've never had an actual job because yeah. uh, when I finished high school and I was, what, like 18 years old, I started uh, you know, my own business with, with a partner partner. And, you know, I've always been working for myself. I've always been running uh, businesses, so I've never actually kind of worked anywhere. So that's that's the, and that's the way I say it. I've never never actually had a job.
0: Yeah, nice. So you started, did you start Infinim then when you were at university or how did that happen?
1: Yeah, so I finished high school and we just, you know, we were like kids basically doing coding and uh, we wanted to do, something more than that we wanted to to start a business and you know at the same time we were starting university but we had some like good ideas some good opportunities and you know we just started the company and for the first five five years five or six years it was just the two of us Uh, we were running the business part-time whilst also uh, studying computer science so the first six years it was going well you know you can imagine like you're a kid going to university, but you're also making some yeah. money on the side from a business. Yeah. It's, in, in some way, it's the easiest money I've ever made. <laughs> because, yeah. You know, afterwards it got um, a lot harder in, in terms of you had to hire employees, you had to, you know, grow the business, he had to do all these other things. And in the beginning, it was mostly, you know, just the two of us and, and, and just, you know, working at, you know, Mate, who was my partner, and at his house in his kitchen, you know, you know how in, 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 in the US, it's always like garage startups, <laughs> yeah. kitchen startup. Um, nice. And after With that, some food. you know, we started growing, hiring people. And Infinim right now is uh, over 200 people, something like that.
0: Cool. So is Infinimate is the same company that you started while you were at yep. university? Yes, exactly the same company. That's cool. And so you've got 200 people and that's spread across Croatia and the US, is that
1: right? Uh, yeah, so mostly U.S. is where where, where most our clients are. Uh, Croatia is where most of our team is, uh, but it's kind of gotten more and more distributed today. So it's not just Croatia; it's all across Europe uh, and in the U.S. In um, general, I mean, that's how with everything digital today, people can work from anywhere, and that's how basically we we do our, our do our job right now.
0: Okay, so um, tell me about the transition then from growing from a you know. Small two-person shop to growing to two hundred people. Um, can you tell me a bit about um, some of the challenges that you're dealing with now, and how they compare with the challenges that you were dealing with when you were maybe a ten-person shop or twenty-person shop? Well, how do the how do the challenges change? Mm.
1: Yeah, so I mean, the main the main difference right now is that you know when you're smaller, when you're like five people, you're very in involved in all of the projects and everything you're doing for your clients. So you're very, you're, you're probably, if you're a programmer or a designer, you're probably doing the stuff, the billable stuff that, that you're delivering to your clients. Yeah. And as time grows, and if you want your company to grow, you kind of transition into um, managing uh, either by project managing or managing the team, or mostly it's kind of in between all of that. And afterwards, you kind of, you design your own company, right? Um, so when you're at like, there's some stepping stones. So I think around 10 people, you need to do some changes. Usually you Mm -hmm. have to like reorganize, you have to figure something else. Then maybe 30 people is another like stepping stone where things happen. And then, you know, we felt that at around 80 people, uh, around 80 people, we had to change, you know, build some sort of hierarchy in the company, um, figure out some processes. Yeah, And then that's kind of that held us for a while. Like even today at 200, we're very similar or similarly organized as we were at 80, but you know, it it varies depending on your, uh, the way that you're set up and your company is set up. And the main changes are basically you kind of like everything grows. People don't know each other anymore very well. So you have to work on communication inside the company. Um, you have to formalize a lot of the stuff a, a little bit more. Um, you, kind of but if if you're like good at it you can still bring that culture the the, the same culture that you started the company with uh mm. with your with you even if you're like 200 people
0: yeah and and so as you're going through that where do you get where do you find inspiration and who do you feel like you learn from as you've kind of evolved from managing a two-person shop to a 200 person what what's your um yeah where do you get your inspiration from
1: um, I think I get most of it from Twitter. So, like, over the years, I've been using Twitter for, for a long time. And over the years, yeah. I've kind of built, like, a very curated list of uh, people, companies, uh, brands, whatever, that I follow. So, you know, whenever I open up my Twitter feed, it's never boring. You know, It's kind of like, oh, this is exactly the stuff that I want to know. And yeah. it's kind of like a mix of, of things. Uh, like, uh, some people are from the agency world. Some people are more from, a, like, a product startup world um some of it is like just you know brands and stuff like that so you know i kind of i i get inspiration from different different types of tech companies i would say
0: yeah cool and is there anything that you're kind of working on this year maybe for your agency or maybe for yourself that you're you're trying to get better at or you're trying to specifically improve in your in your life or your company
1: yeah, so, like, in the last, uh, in my, like, in my life, and my life is my, it's kind of, like, interwoven my life and my business. Um, yeah. It's just, I've, I've gotten very big on, um, like, uh, productivity, but, like, my my pr- personal productivity. So, you know, emails and tasks and all of this stuff, um, I think it's very important to nail down, you know, right, because uh, it's very, I don't know about you, I get very anxious when I have, like, over 20 emails in my inbox or something. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's one thing that I, I, you know, I'm very uh, passionate about. what's your system? um, I use a combination. So for all of the work related stuff, so basically, you know, tasks, uh, we do that all through Productive. So that kind of just removes all that noise out of my inbox. Right. Productive has, has has its own inbox, and it's also like a zero inbox system. So basically I have all that there. So, and in general, just in my own inbox, it's just, you know, um, kind of the 4D system, if you know. So if something, uh, if you get an email, you should either like, uh, delete it, uh, delegate it. And there's a couple of things you should do with it. Do it right now. Uh, and I forgot what was the 4D. Delegate. Just kind of get it out there any way possible. Yeah. Defer it. That's, that's the fourth one. And yeah. just kind of like very big on that and just make, you know, sometimes I, f- I found that like some of the emails I keep in my inbox for, for weeks. And not, you know, oh, I need time to answer this. And it's not just you don't need that much time. You just kind of need to make a decision. So I'm trying to get better at all this stuff. That's my own personal kind of goal for the next year, maybe, to get better at, and faster and delegate more stuff. I, like, I've delegated a bunch of the things that I've done to, to, yeah. to people, and I'm so much happier for it.
0: Yeah, definitely. So obviously you've got your own tool, um, Productive. Which is a complete workflow tool, but can you tell us a bit about um, how that came about? That you, you know, you're you're an agency, not a, primarily a product shop, um, but how did it come about that you started deciding that hey, none of the tools out there do what you want them to do, so let's just build one of our own? How did that happen?
1: Yeah, so and it was a while back. I mean, the first version of Productive was just like an internal thing that we built for ourselves. And there were right. time trackers out there. Like the first version was basically a time tracker. Right. And but I you know, I don't even remember. I think we did it just because you know we wanted to try it out. You know, let's build a you know, quick time tracking tool, you know, type of project that you do in the in the weekend. You know, let's do this, let's use this for for time tracking. Yeah. And we started just using it. And and after a while, you know, we were a small company then. And all the projects that we were doing, we had a feeling that they weren't going very well, you know. And after a while, you know, I started doing calculations in Excel, basically taking yeah. our costs and, and our hours and how much our hours cost, the hours of our team and how much are we billing for this. And if it's like fixed price, then you kind of don't, it's, it's harder to understand what's going on. And at one point I was like, you know, let's build a system around this. I, I, I want to manage this right. I want to have, like, you know, an overview of what's going on on each project at any, at any, at any given time. Yeah. So we built that in. We put that into Productive. And that was basically the first version. You know, the first version was you log time in and it tells you, are you profitable and how much? And what happens is you start every project with 100% if it's a fixed price. So you start with 100, you're 100% profitable if you haven't logged in any hours, which is obvious because you haven't worked any, you haven't done any work and it drops and it keeps dropping, dropping, dropping until it gets to zero. And then if it's, you've blown your profitability, then you're losing money if you get under zero. Yeah. And then everything like all of the, the pretty charts are red. You open up productive, they're red. If you're if you're under zero of zero percent margin. So what happened the first time that we implemented this? We put it in there and we had backlog of data for like a couple of months. And everything was red. <laughs> so we were like so everything that we were doing is like either barely profitable or or not profitable at all. And after that just started changing. Just by the mere fact that you're looking at this stuff. And you're looking at these charts, it, it, it keeps you on track. It's like, it, it, it makes you run the stuff better. Yeah. And that's yeah. Started.
0: Cool. And so obviously Productive has evolved though from just a kind of uh, time tracking and estimating um, and kind of reconciliation, which is what you're talking about, tracking time against uh, the estimate. Um, it's, it's evolved into a complete workflow tool. So how did that happen? and What's, what's the tool got in it now?
1: So um, when we started them, we started, you know, adding some features in there and we thought about, you know, which direction we want to take this. And we, cause we're in the agency world, we know a lot of companies there and we showed them the tool. How do you like this? And they're like, great. But like the recurring theme was that they're, oh yeah, but I also use this for this thing. And i also use this for that thing. And everybody, everybody said the same thing. I want to have this in one place. Yeah. Cause then, you know, I mean, the obvious reason is I don't have to pay for five tools But that's not the main reason, right? The the main reason is all your data is in these like separate silos. And the only way you can connect them and the only way anybody does that is Excel. So they all like export it and then run analysis. And then, you know, if you don't, if you forget to do that or don't have time, then you don't have any analytics. And like basically we were like, okay, but why don't we make productive this one place? that all these companies gets, can come into and you know get the profitability that we got, but also all this other stuff that they have lurking around in, in different tools. And that's how we got into the, the all-in-one uh, vision of Productive, which is to kind of help you run everything an agency needs. So that's project management, uh, invoicing, time tracking that I mentioned, profitability, and the CRM, so you have all your clients in there.
0: Cool. And so what kind of agencies... Um love the tool most like who what kind of size or um what kind of type of agencies have like found it particularly good who are your who are your best customers
1: so agencies in in general if you look at like globally agencies are typically between i would say you know 10 to uh, 100 people that's your typical size there are bigger yeah. ones obviously there are smaller ones but this is the general range you know um and that's also our range of customers. So we have some like smaller ones, we have some bigger ones, but it kind of lands that in in between that 10 to 100. Um their needs are obviously different. So the smaller uh, agencies are more focused around the, the day-to-day stuff. So the, the I would call it micromanaging, but not in a bad way, but just, you know, managing all the 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 minutia, all the tasks that happen every day, while the bigger agencies, they're more focused around reporting, they're more focused around forecasting, which is very important, like seeing into the future what's going to happen. Um, They're more focused around these metrics. Um, They want to see numbers. Mm, But I think, you know, our best customers are agencies that come to us because they want to, you know, work on their business Um, not just in their business they they just they don't want to just they want to improve it they want to be better at it they just don't just want to like finish the work and that's it they want to grow and they want their life simpler so they have some goals and you know it works great with them
0: yeah and so tell us what's on the roadmap for productive i mean it's a pretty complete workflow tool now um is invoicing on that some of the tools have like invoicing and um built-in as well what's where where where's the product going to go
1: yeah. So we have invoicing in there. Um, okay. we have like, you can use a standalone invoicing that we offer and you can also, we have invoicing integrations. So what you can do is just use us for, in, uh, for doing invoicing and then export that to an accounting tool of your choice. Uh, we have QuickBooks, zero. Uh, so all these, these, uh, actual accounting tools and then your accountant basically just takes that data and does the tax the stuff. Um, Our biggest roadmap and like what we're focusing on in the next uh, two quarters is around, you know, more flexibility. So, one of the features that's going in is, uh, we call them custom fields. So, basically, most of the things that are in productive, you know, they're they're the way that we imagine them, but we get a lot of, you know, requests. Can I, you know, add this field on a budget? Can I add this type of field on a project? Because that's the way that we run stuff. And uh, we don't want to clutter the the, the basic, you know, the base experience with, yeah. Uh a bajillion features. So what we want to do is we make it uh flexible. And you know, custom fields is already out there in beta. Um, and based on that, you can also do custom reporting. So that's that's the next step, and that's what we're working on right now. Uh forecasting is a big thing for us in the next couple of months. So mm. basically the way that we started is you can see the past. You can see how profitable you are or how profitable you were, right?
0: Yeah. But
1: what we want people to know is How profitable they will be in the future? Yeah. So if you plan out your project, if you plan out your people, and you can do that in productive because we have all of that, you'll know exactly how much money you'll have when the project ends in four months. Yeah, and that's a very very big thing for for everybody. You know, using it.
0: Yeah, and so um, this kind of touches on possibly, (laughs) um, you know, artificial intelligence and the future of project management. I don't know if you read the Gartner. Um Gartner wrote a claim or a report um saying that you know eighty percent of what project managers do will be obsolete effectively by i don 't know what year they said relatively soon um because it can all be done by artificial intelligence i like as as tools become more intelligent, how do you see the role of project management evolving, and how do you like, and I guess the second question really is you know what 's your plan for Integrating more artificial intelligence, which is kind of what you're talking about, I think, with you, you know using forecasting, uh, using big data in as much as the data that you possibly have in your tools across anonymously different users. What's your? How do you see your product evolving, and and how do you see that impacting the role of the project manager?
1: Well, I mean, the the Gardner claim, um, I don't buy it, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> I mean gosh, I guess it's their business model to you know shout out these big grand deals <laughs> that project managers are going to be replaced by computers um, It's just anybody who's ever done project management for at least a week knows that that's basically impossible for the next I mean computers need to get a lot more smart, a lot smarter. For them to be able to replace project managers. Um, the, 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 part of project manager that it can replace and that we are actively trying to replace is all the number crunching and Excel juggling yeah. that people do. And that's good because then project managers can do what they actually do, which is communication, which is where computers can't replace uh, people on AI can't replace a project, a good project manager that makes decisions that talks to the client, that talks to their uh, production team, you know, th- that kind of stuff. And that's why yeah. the, the claim that Gartner says is ridiculous, because you, you just can't replace that that like, human factor until computers get as smart as people, you know. Um but yeah, I would say the 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 thing that we're working on is is just eliminating all that uh number crunching and all that, you know, maybe even alert alerting. So we have like budget alerts in product. You can set it up, you know, remind me if this goes under this all this kind of like Uh, busy work and just to get you to actually do what you're supposed to do, which is, you know, build something for a client or, or create a creative uh, campaign or whatever you're doing.
0: Yeah. And so let's talk about um, agency profitability, because this is kind of like at the heart of where productive started, you know, that was your own challenge. You weren't being very profitable and you realized you needed to track things um, more carefully but it's more than just tracking it, right? So after you realize, hey, all our, you know, you have the data then, all of our projects are going over budget. Um, how did you, um, well, first of all, how did you actually measure that profitability? Um, so for people who are like, hey, well, we just do projects and we charge client fix, you know, fee for them. Um, and, you know, it's a kind of, it's a wash at the end of the year. We make some money, we get paid, we go home and we don't really care. How do you, like starting from the real basics how do you measure
1: profitability mm-hmm. sure so i mean profitability um it's like a typical way of measuring so you have your revenue you have your costs and then what's left is profit now the main problem is that typically you know your profitability if you're like uh, at the end of the month or at the end of the quarter or at the end of the year so you would go to your accountant then they would do like a pnl statement and you would see how much money you've made. We kind of changed that in the way that, like I mentioned earlier, you're burning your money. You're starting with, like, if you're doing fixed price, you're starting with a, with a fixed amount of money. And, you know, this is how much you have. And then, you know, what you need to do is figure out what kind of margin do you want. Yeah. Um, and like, for agencies, a typical margin, like, like what I've seen in the business, it's around anywhere between 20 and 35%, you know, 20 to like 40% if you're good. Um, that's kind of like the I, number. I
0: think that's I think that's really high
1: <laughs>
0: in, in my experience like, of you know,
1: agencies. Yeah, yeah, could be. Um, Depend on what kind. Like software development agencies usually get better margins. Uh, maybe ad agencies have. Well, it really depends on where you're at. On yeah. the, like I'm, I'm, I'm just talking from experience. What I've saw, what I've seen. Yeah. Um, and then basically, you know, you, you if you land to that number, then you're good, right? Yeah. Um, you burn it. So at any point in time, you know what's going on, and you can kind of direct it, you know, in any in any direction you you feel like. So if you think like, oh, we have enough, you know, margin here. Let's do some more work, or let's kind of figure out. Let's talk to the client. Let's explain the situation to them. You know, because this is a it's, it, the main problem with this type of work, and why you have these problems on projects is because it's it's very very inaccurate and and it's not exact. But your client comes up to you and it says, "Hey, how much is this going to cost? And people, you know, fire out a number. And the client says, yeah. okay, well, let's do it. And But if you would invest, like, doing detailed estimates for every client, then you just don't have the time. Most people don't have the time to do it. So it's kind of like a, it's a game. You're trying to get the best score, basically.
0: Yeah. And so, I mean, in terms of, um, I mean, profitability is one metric. And, you know, you've obviously got your costs uh, and then you have the amount that you charge the client. Um, does productive help you think through um, like a cost per head? Because obviously the amount of salary you pay them, but then there's, you know, the overheads, the cost of the building you're in, healthcare, whatever else you might have to pay for, oh. the fruit bowl. Um, yeah, how yeah. do you how do you help people um, kind of work out the cost per head or per resource? And does it, is it all... That granular, or is it a bit more high level?
1: Oh, uh, it is like that. So we have that's I think one of the things that we are unique about is we have we have this uh, module in, in inside productive. It's called cost o- cost overheads, which is basically what you're talking about. So everything that's not directly related to salary. So we have salaries in there, yeah. but everything else, you know, buildings, uh, computers, cars, uh, business trips, uh, fancy dinners, whatever. All of that is basically overhead. Even non billable people are overhead. So you know. In my yeah. company, I'm overhead. You know, um, salespeople are overhead. In in that sense, that their time is not directly billable to client. Yeah, yeah. So what you want basically is you want to take that overhead and you want to disperse it across all your uh, the all the uh, people that are actually working on billable time and you know kind of increase their base rate for that cost. And Product does that automatically. That, that's that's where I'm going with this. So you put in your facility costs, which is building and all that stuff I said before, and it also tracks internal hours. So sales is internal, uh, HR is internal, any kind of like admin stuff. It's internal hours. So if you track all your internal hours, it will also take that and factor that into the cost for your billable hours, and that's how we get the yeah. most precise uh, profitability metrics.
0: Cool. And so I mean, obviously profitability is one important metric because if you're not profitable you're going to go under um unless you've got some sugar daddy who keeps pouring money in but what other metrics um do you think are important in like for your own agency that you use to kind of review your agency health um Um,
1: yeah so i mean there are there are a lot of stuff that you can get uh, when you have all the data in one place but i think you know Utilization is important. So utilization is like the yeah. amount of time that you, the, the percentage that you work on client stuff versus your all your other stuff, um, and that basically tells you, you know, if that's too too uh, too low, you're not billing enough. You're not going to make enough money. And then the other part is, if it's too high, then you're not investing really in your 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 team. So they're only yeah. crunching, they're only doing for client stuff. They're not, you know, researching. They're not getting better. So you're gonna, your growth is gonna be, you know, limited. Yeah. So do you I, a, yeah, yeah, do you
0: have a utilization target that, um, like, a percentage target?
1: for uh, staff, Yeah, most I, do, I think a good, a good utilization number is anywhere between like 80 percent, something like that, yeah. like across the entire company. Yeah, uh, which means you know some people are utilized like hundred percent some of the time. But sometimes they're they're like in some months they may be just working on something that's internal or something like that or doing research or writing a blog post for your blog. So all of this is internal work, right? So I would say like 75, 80. Um, But also what's what's even more important is like future utilization and uh, we call it availability. So that's even like you could have great utilization, but, you know, what's going to happen in three months? and it's kind of hard to get that number you know because it's like you're trying to predict the future um but that's important because it can it can it can catch you like really in a bad place you know i remember we had situations in in, in the agency uh you know a client maybe canceled on a project because it stopped on their end uh another end like you, you you're there with you know five people 10 people who don't have anything to work on and then you have to kind of scramble and see what you can do because you know you have to pay them um it, it, I don't think it's a good strategy to fire people yeah. in those situations because it's very hard to find good people today. Yeah. So, so, But if you can kind of predict that and know your availability and maybe you're know, proactively sell or hire people based on that, you know, that's good. And that's, you know, one thing also that you get from us because we have this whole scheduling thing in there that helps you do that.
0: Cool. And so, I mean, let, let's move on to talk about, I mean, we've talked about agency profitability, but in terms of budget management and project profitability um when you were in that place where yeah you you noticed that you created this system people were putting their time in and you realized you're going over budget on everything therefore you weren't being profitable was there a i guess I'm, I'm keen to understand and i think the pm's listening would be as well like what were the key reasons why your projects were going over budget was it because that they weren't estimated properly at the beginning Uh, were you kind of gold plating from a internally from like a a scope perspective or was it scope creep from the client what were the what were the main reasons uh then that you were going over budget and now that you go over budget and what can we do to stop it
1: yeah i think scope creep is usually one of the the bigger ones right because it's um being a PM is very hard because you're in the in the in this situation where you have this client that's paying you and you want to make them happy. Yeah. Uh, so the easiest way to make them happy is to just say yes to everything. That's yeah. uh, very hard. To do. And in general, people like saying yes. We like saying no. Um, so that's from that perspective, it's very hard. And I think one one of the main reasons we had was just you know scope creep. But on the on the other on the other hand, if you know how much budget you still have, then you can work around that scope creep, or you can have discussions like. Um, talk to the client, you know, ask them, you know, this is our situation. This is the amount of budget we've spent on this. Um, I mean, clients usually understand they know when they're doing scope creep. Yeah. Um, and then you can kind of like at least improve that situation. And I think it's also learning is very important because if you have this, if you can go into like past projects and see situations, you, you start to see patterns, you know, Oh, yeah, this is that type of client. And that's why we went overboard because. You know, and you, just, you just see patterns, and like what's great. Other, if uh, if you have multiple PMs in there, they can go into other people's projects and just learn from that. See how they have yeah. structured estimates. See how they've you know worked over the project. So that's also very good. But I would say scope creep is the 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 biggest you know enemy.
0: Um. um and how do you? I mean, you you know, you the reality is, as you said that for pms the easiest option is just to say yes when a client asks for something what do you what advice do you give to your pms um, to help prevent
1: that scope creep from happening well the first, the first thing is to define a good scope at the beginning which i said yeah. is hard so my advice would be typically what what agencies do is they fire out an estimate and then the client says yes and then they start to based on like very limited knowledge of everything yeah, um, and I understand why you do that. You have to do it because it's just you can't invest uh, in the sales phase. You can't invest too much time. Um, but what my advice usually is, even though the client said yes, do like a, another round of. So yeah, the client said yes. Great. Let me just then just invest more time and go over everything and do a better scope definition and ask the client again. And then the, if the client says yes to that, then that's a very much more detailed scope than the first one that you gave them. Yeah. And that will help you, you know, weeks or months later, uh, you know, with the budget and with everything.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm I'm definitely a big advocate of the, yeah, do, do a ballpark estimate at the beginning to get a sense of the yeah. whether or not the client can afford to do the project and then do a budget estimate in order to refine that ballpark number and be a bit more detailed and then finally to do that statement of work estimate which is where you're getting way more granular and yeah it's going to cost you way more money to produce and it's going to take more time but then you'll think about things that you never thought about at that ballpark estimate phase as you start going through the different requirements and pieces of functionality so um i think that's i think that's a really really solid advice
1: yeah, exactly. And the point is that as time goes by, you you learn more and then you just uh, refine more. And you're not investing all of your time up front. You're investing it also along with the client because they ha- they're with you in this whole process. So it's kind of like a two-way process.
0: Cool. Well, Tom, thanks so much for joining us. It's been great having you with us. No problem. Thank you. And I wonder what you think. How are you keeping your projects on budget and how profitable are your projects looking? I wonder if you've tried Productive. If you have, tell us what you think and uh, comment on the post and head to the digitalprojectmanager.com to join our Slack team. And you'll find all kinds of interesting conversations going on there about project delivery and profitability. Uh, So come and join us. And if you enjoyed today's podcast... Please subscribe and take a couple of minutes to leave an honest review. Uh, Tell us you love us or why you hate us. And it's greatly appreciated. But until next time, thanks for listening.